Welcome to Waking Up with Melissa, a podcast that takes a deep dive into personal development, spirituality, and how to grow your online business. I'm your host, Melissa Ruiz, a spiritual and mindset business coach for all conscious healers out there. Stay tuned every week while I share insight on how to balance your business and also stay in alignment with your higher self. I truly feel that we all uniquely possess all the things we are seeking if we simply allow ourselves to surrender, to be present, and to take action in our lives. Welcome back to another podcast on Waking Up with Melissa. We have a beautiful, beautiful being here by the name of J. Mark Accento, who is a Filipino, gender-fluid, radical spiritual guide, meditation teacher, Ayurvedic health teacher, soon to be fully certified somatic, activated, healing coach, and transformational speaker, trained by some of the greatest modern spiritual teachers, some who I've met, like Sadi Simone, Deepak Chopra, and the faculty of Chopra Foundation, and Benjamin Decker. Holy crap, that was a motherfucking mouthful. Welcome, babe. (laughs) Hello, hello, my love. Hello, cousin. I'm so happy to be here, honey. Oh my goodness. (laughs) We have to start by addressing ourselves as cousin, which is like, it's the introduction to us meeting together. Yes, Yes, absolutely. So like in my heritage, my culture, uh, the when when there's a marriage, the the mother's maiden name becomes the kid's middle name. So my middle name is Ruiz because my mom's maiden name is Ruiz, and because colonization's a thing, honey. Okay. I was like, oh, Melissa Ruiz, we're probably related. We're probably cousins somewhere in that colonization journey of the Spaniards, honey, because you're you're Cuban, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like that probably happened. Somebody went somewhere and then went somewhere else, and then lo and behold. <laughs> We are the descendants and children of our immigrant parents that came here to this country looking for a better way. They birthed us and here we are like working on our own shit and also healing, right? Healing our our lineage and our ancestors and where they come from. You know, there's a lot of questions that I want to ask you. um, And I want to first kind of start off with the thing that really attracted me to you because I don't always be responding in the DMs, but... (laughs) so cute about you and I think it really is how you're super intellectual about your work there's so much heart there's so much um grit in how you speak and there's so much healing and so let's start off a little bit about uh the work that you've been doing now and how you got into a lot of the trauma work and what's the what's like your favorite thing to talk about oh that's such a juicy question My favorite thing, hands down, to talk about is the brain and the fact that for hundreds and hundreds of years in modern day medicine, we believed that the brain we had past a certain age, 25, is the brain that we're stuck with. But we now know about this concept called neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity is why, you know, I can meet the iconic, beautiful Melissa Ruiz and my brain will be like, oh, there's a person that we now know. The, the way we create new memories in our brain is thanks to neuroplasticity. And so essentially, we were told for a very long time, you have this mental health disorder derived from trauma. And I'm specifically talking about trauma-induced mental health disorders and mental illness. Yep. You're stuck with that for the rest of your life. But thanks to neuroplasticity, we now know that we can rewire the neural pathways in our brain to no longer be traumatized. If you And the way I do it with clients is we don't talk about the stories, honey. We don't talk about Bruno. What we do is we focus on the triggers. If you are triggered, let's say you, you have a really severe trauma, and for whatever reason, your trigger is red balloons. Maybe you watch the movie It. I don't know. You're really triggered by red balloons. We don't need to talk about how, like, we don't need to go into detail about this movie, It, about how it traumatized you, because that can reinforce trauma in your brain. All we need to do, yeah, all we need to do is go, let's make sure you're not triggered by red balloons anymore. And guess what? If you're not triggered by red balloons, next we're going to go on to clown makeup. When you're not triggered by clown makeup, next we're going to go on to clowns. Eventually, when you no longer have triggers, guess what, my love? You no longer have the trauma. You no longer have the conditions. And the way I found this path is multifaceted. The big one is I was a full-time caregiver for my partner for three years of our relationship. 
So the first half of our relationship, we've been together for seven years now, and we're now at a point where we've been together longer while they've been healthy, which is wonderful. But for three years of our relationship, their PTSD and complex PTSD had manifested into a chronic pain condition called fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, and POTS. And they were having seizures. And there there was three years straight where I had to pick them up and take them to a bedside commode. I'd have to help shower and bathe them. And it was hell. And we went from doctor to doctor to doctor to doctor. And they're like, we can't help you. We can't help you. We can't help you. Or we can just give you medicine to manage symptoms. And that's it. And they're like, this is your life now. This is where you're at. My, my partner is now in med school. They're in their second year of med school. They go on hikes all the time. They do yoga. They haven't had a fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue flare up, any of that in four years now. They completely wow. rewired their brain. Mm. And it was through witnessing that that was possible to do that I was like, let me try this on myself. I used to have complex PTSD, anxiety, and depression disorders. I no longer have those anymore because of this process. And then I was like, this is great. Let me focus on my healing. And then I met my mentor, Saudi Simone, um, which we love Saw. <laughs> and I told Saw this story about Ezra's healing journey and my healing journey. I met Saw in Ibiza on one of his retreats, one of their retreats. And Saw looks at me and Saw goes, you're ready to teach my love. And in my head, I go, bitch, I just woke up. What the fuck are you talking about? That was never on the the intellectual vision board. I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be a dancer. Saw said these words to me in confidence. And then all these people who came to this retreat to meet Saw, who didn't hear Saw say these words to me, suddenly came up to me and they're like, hey, can we talk one-on-one? So I had my first quote unquote client sessions in Ibiza in another country that I'd never been to on a spiritual retreat because one person said a phrase that activated something in the collective. And then I still thought Saw was joking, but every day of the treats, so I'll be like, okay, connect with Kim, who's the Saw's director of operations. As I connect yeah. with Kim, Kim is going to set you up so that you can start working with me one-on-one. I'm going to mentor you and help you build like into being a being of service and build a career out of this. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing that. Yeah. Uh, and, and then I started teaching these tools and techniques that combine spirituality and spiritual practices with science keeping, because as you know, everything I do, I try to keep it very grounded because that's the kind of person I am. I'm a skeptic by nature. So, you know, like under Benjamin Decker, Saul's partner at the time of this recording, and I'm sure they're going to do great, but I like to be very clear for people listening to past episodes. Uh, (laughs) You know, Ben taught me shamanic Reiki. That's very esoteric. That's something that I, because I cannot explain it scientifically, a personal boundary I've set for myself. And if you don't do this, don't do it. But for me, I'm like, I'm not going to charge for this. This is something that I'm just going to have in my pocket that I'm going to offer to people. It's going to be really lovely and really beautiful, but I'm never going to attach money to it. Because for me, as a natural born skeptic, as somebody who has religious or had religious trauma, um, it was really important to me to be like, if I'm going to teach you why meditation is important, why pranayama breathwork is important, why mantra is important. I'm going to make sure you understand the science of it and how it directly impacts your mind and how it can contribute to your healing. Yes, there can't just be one teacher. There has to be many because everyone is at a different conscious level. And so for me, that's another reason why I was so drawn to you because, you know, I grew up with, um, you know, my sister has her master's as a social worker. So super grounded in literature and my partner also, my wife, Lena, is also a social worker. And so these are a lot of the things that they study and that they look into. And so by nature, I grew up with debilitated parent, you know, depressed, bipolar, um, postpartum. I mean, just name a mental illness and it was there, it was present. And so being a child, um, a young child, having a parent um, moving through mental health, it really does give you um, an up close front row seat at what mental illness is, how it looks, how it goes acting my mom like she's a baddie she's a bad bitch like she has her eyebrows tattooed she has her eyeliner tattooed like you would never think this bitch pressed a day in her life like she dresses to the nine um and and that always reminds me of how we need to continue to deepen our work 
and not just the mental health stuff and the science stuff, the spiritual stuff, and just even beyond. There's so much that we don't know. And I think when anyone says they know it all is very problematic. It's like, how do we continue to have deeper conversations of how to heal the body? Just like you, Jade, like, it's so crazy. I, I can't even fathom to think the person who I was like five, yeah. six, seven years ago, just don't think the same. Like, and for me personally, this is a personal opinion. Okay, people. So take this however you want. There's so many different practices. And I know that we're going to get into it with you, um, especially with rewiring the brain. It really reminds me of Joe Dispenza and his work. I really, really love it really bringing forth, right? That like esoteric, spiritual, but like also like, here's what's happening in the pineal gland. Yes. You, you know, and I love that. I'm like, yes, Joe, tell me more. <laughs> there, there, there's so much, but um, I have now found that one thing that truly heals more than meditation and breath work. Mm. Uh, and it's interesting because I don't charge for that either. Just same way I am a certified yoga teacher, certified yin yoga teacher for, in Peru and in Morocco. I've worked with some of the best Ashtanga teachers. Um, just not something that I'm called to collect money for. That is literally my what I tell my students. Have a soul offer, have a business offer. Like, yes, yes. get an offer that feeds your business and get an offer that feeds your soul. And so if you want to do yoga in the park, do it. You don't want to charge. That's fine. Half, this is good. This is a good thing, right? It's like about putting yourself in position and then being able to pour out from that. And so, yeah, a, a lot to unpack here. So tell me a little bit more about some of your favorite practices. Like I said, mine is definitely meditation. I feel like through meditation, I have learned to rewire and reparent a lot of uh, this work, right? The parts work, the parts work of going within our energetic bodies and connecting to the parts of us that are in trauma. Um, and you know, it's so interesting. I think there's this misconception also that it takes years to heal or that we need to be on this like long ass journey. I have healed some stuff in minutes. Sometimes just looking at the thing that has been there for such a long time will give us the ability to shine light on that place. And yes, of course, there are other things that we do need somatic work. We need breath work. We need to continue to come back to our body, all of the bodies, by the way, because we don't just have one physical body. We yes. have our have our spiritual body. We have a lot of bodies. And so, you know, the work that we do, and I'm talking about me and all my galactical friends is about integrating all of the bodies. And so it's about bringing forth the trauma work. It's about bringing forth the body, bringing forth the heart, the emotion, the spirit, and really getting down to the root of us, not looking outside, but really closing the eyes and really looking within. Mm. I'm just, see, every time Melissa and I talk, it's always like, it's always just a sermon. <laughs> <on me. laughs> we always be, we always be coming to church, always be coming to the temple. So yes, 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 yes to all of that. Um, it reminds me, so one of my other mentors is Mundi Simone, so soft sister. Okay. I've recently started uh, doing some work with her and I want to do more. Um, but she said something really profound once. She said, she like she tells her students to visualize a large dinner table. And the current version of you, the current perception of yourself is at the head of the table. And all around the table are all the different parts of yourself, your inner child, your inner teenager, the part of you that's like really hungry, the part of you that needs things. And the, the journey of healing, the journey of growth is one where you're really able to just ask, what do I need? You're really able to perceive those parts of yourself and ask, what do I need right now? as opposed to what we normally do. We're in such resistance. And like, and like I said, a lot of the work I do is in somatic in the soma. From a, the Buddhist lineage perspective, or let me start Western. From the Western perspective, we do a top-down approach. We say, let's start with the intellectual, the thoughts, then go into the feelings. Buddhism flips it on its head. And yep. it's been around longer, so I prefer it. Yep. Not to say old things are always better, but in this case, in Buddhism, we say the feelings come before thoughts, always feeling thought, feeling thought, feeling thought. Yeah. So by having a feeling in your body and just dropping the story for some clients who are a little bit further along, I don't even tell them like, what emotion are you feeling? 
I, I go, what's the texture? So if they're feeling anxious, I go, what does that feel like in your body? And they go, oh, well, my heart is racing and I feel like there's a lot of pressure on it. It's like, yeah. great, just work with that. Does it have to be called anxious or is it also excited? You know, a lot of our emotional experiences basically feel the same. That's why they say like love and hate are around the same parts in the brain, because it's true. It's just that we at the cognitive level attach a label to it. We see somebody and we go, oh, I hate them. And we see someone else and we go, I love them. But physiologically, they feel very much the same. We're just attaching meaning to that. And um, Saw describes it as three layers of trauma and healing. And that's the thing too. There are specific things we can heal. And especially if it's stuff from this lifetime, trauma from this lifetime, I can attest to it. My partner can attest to it. My clients can attest, attest to it. Any trauma you got from the moment you popped out of your out of your parent that happened to have those body parts, yeah, yeah. Any time, any trauma you got from that moment onward, you can rewire your brain. We now know that, and medical science is starting to back up because there's a lot of peer review work that has to go into that, and I fully respect that. Do your damn thing. So Saw describes it as like a tree. The leaves, the limbs of the tree, the fruit is this lifetime's trauma. The trunk of the tree is ancestral trauma. So that's yeah. stuff that predates you. That's the stuff that like, because of how evolution works, our ancestors developed certain coping mechanisms that became embedded in the genetic code that got passed down to us. So yeah. nothing is unique. The root system is what in Buddhism we call samsara. It is yeah. the stuff that keeps us in duality. The stuff that has me, J. Mark, talking to Melissa, a separate being and saying, I am me and you are you. And through that creates uh, attachment and aversion. So yeah. the, the overall healing journey is getting to a place where we can actualize, like when you get to that point uh, where you can uproot the entire system, but not all of us grew up like among Rinpoches and Lamas and like in that world where that's the work we're doing from the moment we're born. A lot of us grew up in a world where we're dealing with everything and cars and family and business and money and all the things. So as much as I would love to hit up a student and be like, just meditate every day. The issue is if your nervous system isn't on board, meditation can potentially cause more harm. It's why oh, they yeah. say locking somebody in isolation uh, in isolation in prisons is considered torture. For me, oh. as, a, as a dedicated practitioner, that sounds divine. I'm like, yes, lock me in a room with my brain so I can yeah. just sit and fucking meditate for a minute. But that's because I'm there. If you told the me two years ago, shit, if you told me like three years ago to have done that, I would have punched you in the face. I would like, no, I'm not going in this damn room. So we got to get our bodies on board. And so for me- yep. My go-to practices, first off, it's just rewiring my limbic system. So we continue healing. And as we go through life, new traumas from the past will make themselves known. When that happens, and I was telling this before we hopped on, I'm going through it right now because a, a trauma that I didn't realize that I'd been living with made itself known. And I'm like dealing with the shame and guilt of not realizing all that stuff. And so I'm, I'm stepping back into the process. I teach my students how to rewire the limbic system. I'm doing that. So that's my first go-to for like big T traumas. But in just managing day-to-day -day life, um, the big thing I say is honestly, somatic activated healing is the big one because this, the saw method is comprised of four techniques. It's breath work, movement slash ecstatic dance, mantra, and um, meditation. So all of that, being able to just implement that into my life. And the thing is too, being a fully embodied being is living from a space where you recognize that your entire life is your practice. It's yeah. not just, I'm only practicing when I sit on my cushion. It's, yeah. you know, Melissa and I do this. We call people my love. And I'm not sure about Melissa's energetic reason for it, but I know for me, that's me selfishly putting it into practice. Yeah. I'm calling everyone my love because in my mind, I'm like, you are my love. You are love. I'm trying to really convince my whole self, body, spirit, and mind that that is true. That if someone's screaming at my face, I go, I'm sorry you feel that way, my love. Even if in myself, I'm like, I can't stand you. I'm like, you're still my love. You're really activating for me and I'm really upset, but I'm still going to call you my love because I'm selfishly, selflessly trying to live from that space at all times. Sure. And also the reflection of you. We're all mirrored reflections of each other, which is in a deeper, 
perspective, you know, you, you started off with the feeling. And so the part of the work that I do, well, one, you know, I love that you brought up, you know, this example of Saw Sister teaching this method because this is um, really present in uh, the internal family system more. And so in IFS, which our teachers are certified in and the stuff that I've been passed down to, this is, this is exactly the work that you want to continue to look at. It's not that we're just one being, we're not just one being one soul. It's looking at the one being and all of our parts, all of the parts that are in exile or what they call the managers, the parts of us that are like, okay, like we're, we're in a trauma response. Let's go. Like now we got to get out of here. Now we got to leave this person. Those are the managers. Those are the ones that kind of group us together and get us out of situations. The parts of us that are in exile, our inner children, our teenagers, like it's for me, part of the work is about integrating it's about saying hello to all of my parts right and being like oh part when you're nine I didn't realize you were there so kicking and screaming and crying and through energy practices and through the quantum field you would be actually really shocked at what happens when you just bring your mind's eye and your awareness to this part that has been stuck in trauma. It is like you open the door to this child that has been in a locked room for a really long time. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because you see, we're always trying to remove people's coping mechanisms, but people's coping mechanisms for their trauma are very needed, even if it's a bad one. And so even if your coping mechanism is disassociating or drinking alcohol, like until you can work with a practitioner to replace that, it's very important that you continue your coping mechanism until you find a healthier one. I think there's a lot of this energy around just do it, just be happy, just forget about your trauma. And it's like, it's just not that easy. There are a lot of things for us to consider when we're working with beautiful souls. And I love that you mentioned the feeling first, right? This bottom up approach and underneath feelings for me and the work that I do is energy. And so it's really even before the feeling asking ourselves, what energy are we sitting in now? And then how does that identify and shape the feelings that we feel? And how does that, and we kind of go up the chamber of the energy centers and how does that create the way that we feel and speak and think and you continue to go up the ladder because it really is begging us to go back to basics and it has nothing to do with the outside and how people trigger you or what people are doing it's about us it's about coming back to this message of we are the one conscious mind although it's very difficult for human beings to bring their mind's eye to that because in many ways we have felt that we're so different but we're so much more alike too you know I'll just bring it back to the quantum you because we just you know left kikied (laughs) and just like had the best time there but it's about you know hearing everybody talk about like oh my god this event was so good or this speaker was so good and it's like what do you see great in them and so they told me what they saw great in them and I'm like that's in you yes you recognize somebody's ugly, that's in you too. When you recognize somebody's flaws, that's in you too. When you recognize somebody's greatness, your teachers, that's in you too. You know, in many ways, we're holograms, you know? I won't get too kooky into it, right? Because your scientific brain is going to blow up right now. <laughs> no, no, we, we absolutely are though, you know? every Because everything is of the mind. Everything is a projection, period. And everything is a projection based on our karma. People yeah. often mistake karma, and this is me bringing my, my, my Buddhist self into this, right? People often mistake karma as like, you do bad things, bad things will happen to you. you do good no. Things, good things. no, literally karma is just the law of cause and effect. Why yeah. am I here now talking to this beautiful, iconic being, my cousin here, is because of karma. My life experiences all led me to this moment. Had I deviated at some point, I may have never connected with Melissa. Had Saw never told me you're ready to teach, I definitely would have never connected to Melissa. And everything, and and here's here's the most far out thing too, and this is, speaking speaking of holograms, right? So my background is similar to Melissa's in entertainment, but I was more on the the front of camera side of things and my aspirations. I was in the back. 
Yes. Sometimes I walk through, not even sometimes, very often I walk through an area I'm in or a town or a city. And I just really consider that everybody is living out their own story. And that as far as they are concerned, I am a side character. Or if you're a gamer geek like me, I'm an NPC. I'm a non-playable character in the background of their story. And I'm the protagonist in my story. And I'm an antagonist in a lot of other people's stories. To some people, I'm the villain. To some people, I'm somebody that they'll never see again. I just consider, wow, every single being without exception is just going the fuck through it. Yeah, everybody's living their own life in their own world with their own world and this is why it's like yes we share the earth Gaia we live here with her but we're all living in our own little matrix we're all living under our own rules you know I heard Miguel Ruiz said this our uncle okay Miguel Miguel Don Miguel Ruiz our yes uncle, uncle Don Miguel Ruiz <laughs> I was uh, I love his work, you know, because he also was a scientist. And so there we go, you know, always really mixing the science and the spirituality is really the jam. Um, And he said he he said every single person is the main character Mm. in their own life, which, by the way, hint, hint, that is my next offer. It's called main character, Um, the main character in their life. And everybody else is exactly what you're saying, Jay. It's about they are the supporting characters and this is why when other people do things it's like it doesn't really affect the main character because that main character is living in their own world doing their own thing and the side character is living in their own world doing their own thing it's everybody's living in their own world and this is why it's so important for us to always bring it back to the self for us to you know you talk a lot about the uh, buddhist tradition and it's so beautiful because you know that was one of the first books that i was initiated into the Buddha teachings. And so working with karma and dharma is is very important because just like you said, people think that it's this, you know, bad luck hand that you get, but our karma is actually really good too. Our karma and the things that we've done in past life have led us to each and every now moment. When I was in India, I'll never forget, I went to Varanasi and I did the whole pilgrimage of to the Ganges River. And that night uh, we saw the bodies being burned and I had never, I mean, you, your mind cannot comprehend being a burning body all the way down to the bones. It's like something happened to me in that moment where I realized that we cannot just be the body and we cannot just be the spirit either. Like, where do we go? Like, it's just, it was so gnarly. It was just like looking at this body, just like completely burn all the way down to the bones. And by the way, they put the bones in the Ganges river. I was like, mm, I don't think I'm going to go in the river. I'm good. <laughs> um, they like, Get in the river. You'll be blessed. I was like, oh, I don't know. Um, but it's very, <laughs> It was a very profound moment. And if you've ever been to India, you'll know it's one of those places that completely change you. Um, I couldn't stop crying every single day, just looking at everything that's in your face. And you realize, I remember that I was crying one day in the street um, because I had done uh, some volunteer work in India. We went to an orphanage and there was kids, you know, three, four and five um, high, high. And they lived in the streets. And so, like, again, you know, these things that, like, when you're faced to face with them, it's like your mind cannot comprehend um, the suffering. And so I remember I was, like, in a little ball crying. And one of my teachers came and they were teaching me about karma and how there's nothing to be sad about. And even though that's my perceived perception of me thinking that's bad, um, they reminded me that, you know, I'm that little boy too. Yes. And so it's about really us coming back, coming back to ourselves, coming into ourselves, and, and stop putting all these labels and these things that really separate us. Because again, it's, we're more alike than, than we actually know. And when we can have compassion, which is like the two things that I really took away from the Buddha teachings, which is the middle way and the heart of the Buddha, you know, that compassion and that loving energy, the heart that connects us to the heart of the universe. And um, yeah, it's just been so beautiful connecting with you on some of these topics, because I know that you can kind of really like jam out and and flow in that way. Um, What would you say is one of the biggest misunderstandings 
to, yeah, merging spirituality with science or maybe bringing science to spirituality. I could talk to you about all the controversial shit that (laughs) you talk about with our audience, which really is actually demystifying money and energy behind money. I mean, people are motherfucking triggered, okay? Yes, yes. (laughs) So mm, I feel called if that's okay with you. Yeah. The, the biggest thing, and just knowing, like having met, met you at Quantum U and seeing what people are looking for, it's it's the idea of manifestation as it is presented and shown on social media right now, where mm-hmm. people who have come into the world with certain aspects of privilege that do allow them to manifest the dream house, the dream car, the dream everything, right? But the thing is, that's only a portion of the story. It's only a portion of the narrative because in my lineage of Buddhism, as long as we attach any sense of joy, any sense of self-worthiness, any sense of growth to something external, we're setting ourselves up to suffer. Attachment is the root of all suffering. And so from my work, the work I work with with clients, there is a certain aspect of consider a better world for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Because we're trying to teach the, the nervous system. We're trying to rewire the limbic system. We're trying to get the brain to normalize the production of dose, which is dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. When we live with trauma, we normalize the production of stress chemicals, cortisol, adrenaline, and noradrenaline. And because of that, we are addicted to stress chemicals. It's why you can have a life that you're living that's so beautiful, so iconic, so wonderful, and then blow it the fuck up one day. Because your brain's like, this was nice, but this isn't what is normal for us. So we're just going to invite chaos in. And that can be a very triggering phrase to tell people we're addicted to chaos. So know that when I say that, I don't say it callously. I say it as somebody who has been there. Addiction is a very real issue, but we don't consider that addiction also exists without a shopping addiction, without an alcohol addiction, without a drug addiction. It's also the addiction to chaos, the addiction to issues. And that's not being said to shame, it's being said to recognize and really reconcile that right now, for those of you listening who are in it, your brain has normalized that. So there is a level of quote unquote manifestation that works at a neurological level. The idea of like, I'm going to write down every day that I'm going to have I'm going to live abundantly. I, For me, whenever I do stuff like that, I never put a number to it. I never put a specific object. I'm just going to say, I, I have abundance. I have abundance. I have abundance. I have abundance. And I don't make it anything external. There's a level of that that can be very beneficial towards your healing journey. Now, that all being said, it's only a portion of the story. When you go further down, when you really actualize and take your healing in fullness, in the fullness of an experience, it should naturally orient you towards community care. And in orienting you towards community care, it should orient you towards, you know what? I don't need the mega yacht. I mean, my my love here is like getting in a van and get to live that van life. I love it. Iconic. She's downsizing like crazy because- There was even a there was even a study that was like once you get past a certain amount of money, I think it was like a hundred thousand or hundred thirty thousand, your your happiness does not increase. So can we orient ourselves inward? You know, my my New Year's resolution and a resolution I make every day is may every every day may I choose to live from what in Buddhism we call the Brahma Viharas, the four innate qualities of the heart, the four measurables. May I choose to be loving, may I choose to be compassionate, may I choose to live joyfully, and may I choose to live in equanimity and in inner peace. And that's something that doesn't, that is not dependent upon anything external toward to myself. Yeah. So if my partner and I broke up, if my house burned down, if my pet passed away, of course I'll be sad. I'm human. I'm not an actualized being. I'm going to be really upset, but there's going to be less weight to it than if I was, then, you know, you hear people who broke up and they're like, you were the only reason why I was happy or people who get fired from their jobs. You're like, my entire life was my career. I don't know who I am without my career. That's what that level of manifestation can do in a very, not consciously insidious, but a very harmful way. So start there. You know, we all start somewhere. Sometimes we watch those people and we get so inspired. But always ask yourself, is this really it? 
because there are people who get the house, who get the car, who get the dream career, who are so depressed. And I call them Hollywood people. Like, (laughs) Like you can have it all. And then one day you're slapping Chris Rock on stage, honey. Like clearly inner work needs to be done. Exactly. And also like, I think I did a video on this yesterday. I was like, can we just stop? Like, just stop with this. Like, I want to get to the next income bracket. I want to hit six Mm. figures. You know, I'll take a step back and say one, like, that's the work that I do as a yoga practitioner, you know, working with the yamas and the niyamas, the eight limbs of yoga really requires us to look at non-attachment. That's the two things that I teach the most is working with resistance and fear because it's huge teacher and working with the practice of non-attachment, which is apahigraha, right? And so anytime we attach ourselves to anything outside of ourselves, we become bound. We are in bondage. So it doesn't fucking matter. It could be your partner. It could be the way you look. It could be uh, your job. It could be your career. It could be anything. Anytime we look outside of ourselves for something to make us happy, it is the hugest, what we call Maya, the illusion that we create, that we think it's because of this person that you're happy. It's like, no, you create your own happiness from within. You have to recognize that you can decide you can decide, just like you said, you know, this may trigger a couple of people. I'm saying this just with so much love in my heart. Um, yes, we can be addicted to very not good things and behaviors. We can be addicted to toxic people. We can be addicted to toxic thoughts. We can be addicted to fucking it up. I dated somebody like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they just fucked it up no matter what, because that's just, that was in their nature. They still needed to spiritually mature into not fucking it up you know but it takes a level of conscious work and so i love that can we're I, happy- can i rephrase that it yeah. was in it was in their nurture because mm-hmm. at our nature our innate selves at the base and yeah. core of our beings we are innately good yeah oh it yeah the karma that makes us respond in certain ways that have those self-destructive behaviors and habits and at a neurological level our brain reinforces those neural pathways see like i said science and spirit honey science and spirit okay. <laughs> together i love it i love it it's so beautiful there's so much to talk about when it comes to you know attracting to manifesting but at the end of the day you know i always like to invite all of our listeners to you know the podcast is called waking up with melissa not because i want you to wake up with me in my bed but it's about waking ourselves up mm. you know i didn't get to do this work from one day to the next it took time you know and in the beginning i didn't always believe all of the shit that i was doing especially you know doing yoga um and meditating as long as i have it, it was difficult in the beginning. It's like, does this even work? Why am I continuously doing this? But I think it does take the discipline, which is part of the three-part system that we teach in yoga, the doing something for something bigger than just ourselves, which is the community care that you talk about, right? It's not even about, I'm going to sit on my mat to do work for myself. It's don't ask anything of this practice. Even if you're depressed, even if you feel like you need something, it's like, can you sit here and move for something bigger than just you. It's about the invitation for us to look beyond just the material and really think about how is this affecting other human beings? And it's important. I will say, you started off by saying, you know, a specific number after a specific number, you won't be happy. But I will say money just doesn't make you happy, period. I have had it. I've had none of it. It doesn't make you any happier. And at a certain point, it just, there's nothing that happens because money doesn't make you happy the same way people don't make you happy. The same way your career doesn't make you happy. The same way if you move to Bali, that won't make you happy. It's just an instant gush of adrenaline. That car that you manifested won't make you happy. That house, you nothing makes you happy besides you and what's in between your two ears. That conversation that you're having with you and you It's all about that. And that relationship is the longest, deepest relationship that we can be in. You know, spiritual teachers and mentors that I've had always, and you know this because I I know that you've, I felt this in your own spirit, how you start to ask yourself, who am I really? And so all the work points back to that. And we're all on the journey to figure that out on our own. And so There is no right and wrong way. Even in the quantum field, we talk about this a lot. You know, it's about negative and positives. But even at that level, it doesn't also mean anything good or bad, right? It's like karma and dharma, right? In many ways, 
we can kind of interchange them in many ways. When we alchemize our karma, it turns into dharma. But like, isn't the karma necessary? Like, wasn't that person that like really fucked you up? Like really like did something that you didn't deserve? Like, wasn't that part of the plan? Isn't all of it part of the plan? You know, again, requires us to look deeper at ourselves and really ask ourselves, what kind of resources do we have today? And how can I be open to inviting more of it? Because this is new for a lot of us. If you didn't grow up Buddhist, if you didn't grow up around this, I, I grew up in Ecuador, we all, you know, we had a lot of mystics. And so like taking a honey bath, you know, my red, you know, little mal de ojo, like all of those things, we grew up around mysticism because of our ancestors. My, my aunt was a, a reader. She was tuning into energy. I was tuning into energy at a young age. And so I knew a lot about that world, but I had trauma. I had trauma, <laughs> big trauma, right? And so it takes again, a skilled practitioner to help you unwind and, and hold space. And so I just really feel called to share that with anybody who's listening. Um, one, I want you to share how people can work with you because I know that you are a <laughs> to this world and any being that feels called to work with you, I know is going to be radically transformed with your work. But as for help humans, there's no shame in the game there. You don't have to suffer alone. It's about us connecting and being together in community so that we can see see ourselves a little bit better. So tell us, how, how can my listeners work with you, Jay? <laughs> Absolutely. So the biggest thing is every single person I work with, without exception, I require them to go through a three-month program with me. Um, it's called Alchemizing Authenticity, how to awaken to your fully actualized self outside of label traumas and roles. Because mm, so long as we're living from that space of I am this job, I am this, I will never change because of these traumas, I will never change because of that. We're always living in a space of reactivity. And so the work I do is over three months, it is all about empowering you and providing you the tools that I use, that my partner used, that every client I ever worked with used to rewire their brains and go from a space of inner deep reflective work to eventually get into a space of community care. And I want to be so clear here because oftentimes people I work with have backgrounds of people pleasing and they think like I've done community care. It's like, no, honey, you're burnt out. You weren't yeah. doing, and this is going to be really edgy because that's the kind of teacher I am. So be ready if you want to work with me. If you got burned out from community care, you weren't doing community care for the community. You're doing it to validate yourself. Yeah, hundred percent. That's that people pleasing, and I, we get a lot of um, our students that sometimes are exiting that community as well. That's very activated and very fired yeah. and very pointing the finger and sometimes blaming and all of the things. I love yeah. you, you know. I love you, and you know we work together to unpack all of that stuff, and so that we can continue to take radical responsibility because that's just how it is. That's how it is being last earth you know we got to take ra radical responsibility for our parts yes. and it's missing anything else but it's really really just asking ourselves where do I go from here and what's my part in this thing oh I was a people pleaser oh I was really trying to um, validate my word it's not about that it's not about you yes. it's not about the work that other people's need to see you in it's about you just walking the walk yeah, it's it's embodying uh, to bring in your lineage a bit more. It's embodying Hanuman, yeah. you know. Like, and here's the thing, my loves. I am a quote unquote spiritual guide, teacher, coach, da 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 da. But for me, my internal way of showing up in the world, in my mind, for me, I identify myself as student and servant. That's it, because yeah. I'm still learning, and I, my offerings are all to serve. Um, but to more directly answer your question about how to work with me, I have this three-month program. From there, if you want to work with me more directly as a spiritual guide, we can talk. But um, it will allow you to build the tools and habits necessary to rewire your brain so that you're no longer intellectualizing your healing journey, but actually fully becoming a living embodiment of that. And to get all the information, you just have to fill out my contact form on my website, which Melissa will have the links in the show notes, um, jmarkxcento.com. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok, but all, both of those are at jmarkxcento. It's not spelled how it sounds. It's J-E-M-A-R-C-A-X-I-N-T-O. So check those out. And also, this is the first time I'm announcing it like in a public section here. 
Uh, along with my love, Angel, uh, Angel Diaz, also known as Shaman Papi, we are going to be running a queer BIPOC spiritual retreat next summer. Hold okay. that applause. Yes, yeah. because yeah. I got, and you, you know, like I'm gender fluid, right? And I got really frustrated about these retreats that are like men's retreat, women's retreat, men's retreat, women's retreat. I'm not welcome to the women's retreat because I'm AMAB. And they're like, you can't come. It's like, okay, then call it female retreat. Like if that's what it is, that's what it is, honey. But I got feminine energy too. I want to work through, you know? Yeah. So I was like, fuck it. I'll do it myself. So it's a queer BIPOC retreat. So okay. it is for can queer folks. Can I just folk? pause you really quick? Can I just yes. pause you now? Have you repeat this? I just love what you just said. <laughs> fuck it. I will do it myself. And yeah. that is always so symbolic of a true leader that is leading themselves. They're not okay. waiting for the space to be open for them. They are creating the spaces. And so kudos to you. Like, so beautiful, you know? So many yeah. of us complain over the things that are non-existence. But don't you see, human? That's our part. That's imagine, our invitation, honey. Right. Imagine <laughs> We all just like anchored into, you know, earth school and just everything was as it was supposed to be. Like, this would be so boring. Like, remember, we are all creators of the divine. We're here to create. So when people say, I don't have creative ideas, it's like, no, yes, you do. You got to get into the flow. And so because I work with the elements, which, by the way, a lot of trauma lives in water. And so this is why when we talk about, you know, the trunk, when we talk about the stuff that has been passed down through our ancestors, through the elements, we say it has been passed down through the waters, through the waters of the woman, through the womb. So mm. you were swimming in that trauma, okay? Yes, honey. You were born <laughs> in that trauma, honey. You were breathing that trauma. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's, a, it, it's a real thing. And so, yeah, we won't get to, we don't have enough time to go through <laughs> Episode two, next time. <laughs> Um, but yeah, tell us a little bit about the retreat. I'm so yes. glad that you're exceeding this in here. I know our audience is going to eat this up and love uh, it. Yes. So it is called Queer Liberation, Embodying Your Naked Truth. It is a queer and BIPOC. It's a five-day transformative queer and BIPOC spiritual retreat in the ultimate practice of acceptance and letting go of the shit show. Mm. So we are going to be doing it in the Poconos Mountains. I can't name the exact venue yet because we need to lock down contracts and everything. But the the space that we're we're hope that we're shooting for, we've already had an initial meeting with them. We just have to finalize things. So hopefully, um, the space we're looking at it is a queer exclusive campground. So Ugh. this is a space known for queer folks. This is a space known for everybody. So honey, if you were born in a female body and you've never been allowed to be topless, you can be topless here. Nobody's going to creep on you. Nobody's yeah. going to judge you. Nobody's going to shame you. And the the entire purpose of this retreat is that when you're born in a queer body, when you're born in a BIPOC body, when you're born in anywhere that has been socially and systematically colonized and oppressed, there's hella trauma and there's no spaces for us by us. So Angel and I are both gender fluid, gender expansive, BIPOC spiritual teachers. My lineage is in, is in Vajrayana Buddhism. Angel's lineage is in shamanism. He's um, they are full on Daino, like they're like of the culture. They've been trained by their indigenous elders and we we are here to serve you. So like, please join the wait list. You can, um, I'll have a link to send that to Melissa also. Join the wait list. You also have an option of whether or not you want to opt in to my newsletter for free at home practice tools. And you can always schedule a call with me because the thing is like beyond the retreat, to work with me, I'm very discerning with who I work with. I'm not in the business of working with somebody who I feel like either I'm not the right fit for them or they're not ready because I don't want you to waste your time and money. I want yeah. you to be ready. I want you to, because as somebody who was very proficient at half-assing their healing journey, if you don't do this work with conviction, you're not going to get as far as you want to. And then you're going to lose faith in the idea of healing because you're like, I did the work. I did it for so long and nothing has changed. Maybe it's not that nothing's changed. Maybe the conviction wasn't there. Where are you making excuses for yourself? Where are you saying like, oh, I don't need to reinforce trauma in my brain, but I have to do activism while well, you're reinforcing trauma in your brain, honey. Where okay. are you saying I can't afford to heal? But if you're like me, it's like, uh, my, my partner got on my ass all the time because I was like, I, I don't have the money to pay for coaching. My partner would be like, look at all these figures you have in, in the house. Like we had five new packages of like anime figures show up. What are you talking about? And I had to get very real with myself. You know, I'm not saying that there isn't 
levels of privilege because absolutely there is. That's why I work with the unhoused for free, right? But if you are somebody who has a roof over your head, knows where your next meal is coming from, can still manage to take a vacation somewhere like once a year or twice a year, can you divert some of that vacation finances towards your well-being? Can you courageously take that step forward? Because I'll tell you right now, until we make our well-being our number one priority, we're going to keep causing harm because hurt people hurt people. And so I would be honored to serve and support you. If you're looking for a non-binary, gender-fluid, Filipino, sassy as fuck, geek to work with you, honey, I am here to serve. And I just want to express the deepest gratitude for my cousin for inviting me onto this pod, onto this space, for inviting me to come to Quantum U and Kiki with everybody. It's just been such an honor and I'm so, so grateful for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Can I, can I dedicate the merit of this talk before we close out, my love? Yeah, let's do it. Let's just do that. Let's take a deep breath in. Nice loud sigh. <sighs> just take a moment to express the deepest, most heart-centered gratitude for all the revelations, all of the blessings, all of the merit that we've accumulated from this wonderful Kiki together. And for all of you listening, take this time, take this moment to express deep gratitude for all you've learned. And dedicate this merit to all sentient beings. May all sentient beings without exception be happy. May they be healthy. May they be safe. May all sentient beings without exception live with ease. Let's all vow right now and say in our, to ourselves, may I practice until I am free. And may my practice light up the way for the freedom of others. May my liberation inspire the liberation of those around me. Om Mani Padme Ho, Om Mani Padme Ho. Om Mani Padme Ho, Om Mani Padme Ho. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, <laughs> juicy. I just, I just went somewhere really quickly. Thank you for bringing in such a beautiful mantra for closing the cell, for connecting with our hearts and our breath. I love you so much. I'm so excited this together. Um, and that we get to support you as well. And so, yeah, I love you. I'll see you soon. Yes. And we're out. Bye. Bye. Stay humans. Breathe.